Welcome to today's episode of the Auburn Daily Show. It's your host, Alex, better known on the socials at Auburn Memes. We got with us, as always, for our weekly rundown, Auburn Daily writer Andrew Stefaniak. Once again, welcome. And today, we are going to be talking about what should the realistic expectations be rolling in and going into playing through year two with Auburn with Hugh Freeze. I think folks a year ago really started uh, maybe booging a little too hard. We kind of uh, got excited that we, I think we're at the peak honeymoon phase, as we've talked about numerous times on here. So much so to where even Hugh Freeze himself in various press conferences, I think was kind of passive aggressively telling people like, hey guys, maybe maybe dial it down a little bit. Uh, you know, Dark Horse 9-win team might be a little bit of a stretch. And sure enough, well, you know, Hugh Freeze being the coach and knowing a little bit more than we do was correct in that warning he gave for everybody. But this is the time where I think uh, there, I think the realistic expectations for year two can maybe start to line up with where we're wanting to book a little bit, given the direction everything seems to be going and how things are going to be set up for what could be a big year two jump. Now, here's the thing about it. The expectations for this past year and what really happened, and I'm going to use this word here, realistic expectations. I think a lot of realistic people who are grounded in reality were saying, okay, you know, seven wins, offense, defense, kind of middle of the road, whatever it may be. Obviously, Auburn fell short of that. So realistically speaking here, short of a disastrous season, Auburn really has nowhere to go but up without the conversation being, well, Hugh Freeze's job. Because if you go anywhere down further than you were this year, I don't think you can look at that and say, oh, Hugh Freeze is in a great place. Because at that point, you didn't make a bowl in year two with what should be quite a talent jump, even with the freshmen they're bringing in. So. Andrew, let's just go right off the bat. We kind of got a list with each other. What do you think would be some uh your top? We'll start we'll start at the top. What do you want to see year 2 out of Hugh Freeze and this Auburn team? Yeah. Well, the first thing I want to say, and it's kind of along the lines of what you just said, but it's to me a very important point, and it has to do a lot with, you know, what I do with Texas A&M. We don't want to be Texas A&M in the fact that you have all this talent People want it to hit like that, right? You got a Cam Coleman, a Perry Thompson. You got these guys coming in. That does not mean they're going to be a 1,000-yard receivers the second they walk on campus. It might take these guys a year to develop. And I think people need to prepare themselves for that. I think we are so quick to say, like, yeah, these guys are going to be great, which they're going to be great. Um, But we think it's going to be immediate. Sometimes players got to develop into the speed of college football. We've seen that many times. It's so rare for a player to come straight in and be a dominant force in college football. We saw it with Keldrick Falk. I thought he was great at the end of the year. But when he started off, he was kind of, I, I, I wouldn't say non-factor, but, you know, he was kind of out there. It wasn't doing, he wasn't really exciting you. But then at the end of the year, he started to go, wow, this year, this kid's going to be a stud. I mean, you know, next year. I think we're going to see that with these receivers. Now, receivers different than, in the trenches. It's obviously much more difficult to be dominant in the trenches as a freshman. But um, so that's a caveat I want to add. But when it comes to next season, I think to me, 
I do think that seven and five was where Auburn should have been this year. That loss to New Mexico um, State is going to forever haunt me. I mean, that, that just not to bring up still, yeah, still not over it to people. Still but I mean, like, in all reality, I mean, think of not to get super off topic, but if you win that football game and then, you know, I, a moral victory, whatever, I'm not formed, but, you know, you play the Iron Bowl close, especially if, I mean, you win the Iron Bowl, it's a different conversation, but you look at it, you're like, he hung with Saban, he went seven and five in a bowl game, you win that bowl game, people are really excited about next year. That game really messed up the season. So I'm kind of like almost in when I'm explaining this, like counting the season as if Auburn was seven and five because they should have been. That was the ugliest display of football, most one of the most disappointing losses in my 23 years of life. 49 out of 50 times you probably win that game. That's that's what I'm saying. Even though that is, I always like to add the caveat. That was good. That's a good football team. I mean, no one take anything away from that New Mexico State team. It's a dang good football team. But no, Auburn needs to win that. You know they are outmanned. They were they were you know they are a better football team than them, and New Mexico State just came out and outhearted them. Yeah, and the only I'd say the only thing that would be long term as a problem would be if that type of performance is a pattern. Auburn yeah. shows up sleepwalking in the games that they are favored in by double digits. Yeah, rather that be SEC group of five, lower tiered power five, whatever. They can't yeah. ever be sleepwalking again, no matter the opponent. And if that does happen again in the short term, I mean, you know, unless it's just a decade down the road and it's just, okay, it happens, it happens to everybody. But if it happens in the near future, then I think you got to really kind of sit there and wonder, like, does the staff, does Hugh Freeze, does somebody, what's going on? Because – this is a not just a pattern, but an incredibly dangerous pattern. So yeah, yeah, that's one that if it's turned the page and it's just an isolated incident, I can in time I will heal and I'll get over it. Yeah. But if they if they do something like that again or even hint at doing something like that again, even if it's a Georgia State 2.0, Jackson State where they don't lose it, but they play it close. You you can't you can't afford to have two of those early in your career. And yeah. you know, we bring up the Mike Norvell losing to that was the Jacksonville State, wasn't it? I don't remember. I don't remember who he lost. I know he lost to somebody bad. I don't remember who it was. I think that was. I think that was Jacksonville State. And you know, there were a few other. There were a few other ones in there of coaches losing to schools they had no business losing to, but they ended up, you know, bouncing back. It, it, as long as you bounce back, there's nothing to worry about. But if you don't bounce back, because the key thing here is all these good coaches have had losses like this. That was an isolated. They turned the page, but. Let's go to a, the opposite extreme example. Chad Morris was it? Did they was it North Texas they lost to? Or was that Texas State? I don't remember either. I remember once again them losing a bad game. I don't remember who the opponent was. That was that yeah. was longer ago. I think. I think that um, was either twenty nineteen or it was either twenty nineteen or twenty eighteen Arkansas. But yeah, what what I'm saying there is that was a historically bad loss for Arkansas, and they were like, oh, <laughs> whoa. Yeah. But then. It just was stacked up with more historical and historical bad losses. And then it just turned into a whole deal of that was a historically bad Arkansas team that will just forever go down in infamy as one of the worst coaching uh, tenures. So, yeah, they lost a, a bad Colorado State team, followed by a loss to North Texas. And it wasn't just like any loss, it was similar to Auburn's in the sense that they lost 44 to 17. So they just Yikes. get obliterated. But then 
once again, they just kept getting more and more L's throughout the year. They went two and 10 and then, you know, next year and then the rest was history. Yeah. So point being, as long as Hugh Freeze can uh, never do that again, we're golden. So, yeah. All right. Sorry. We got off, we got off track a little bit there, but yeah, back to, back to year two. I think you're talking about the uh, development of the freshmen. Yeah. So, well, I, I think that's part of it. And more than the, I mean, I just, what I'm saying is don't expect these guys to come in and go for 115 yards a game, you know, the first game of the season. Um, and I, I mean, but now I want to get into, so what I, my point where I was kind of making is like, I, I count last season and people are probably going to disagree with this. And that's okay. But like, I'm going to say seven to five because that's not going to happen again. I don't think so. I think that was a ugly. And if it does happen again, then this is a different conversation. Like you just said, but, um, so you instant what, so what I'm saying is some might look at it and go, I think Auburn has a chance to go eight and four next year. And I'm going to explain why, but what I'm saying is some people might go, well, that's a two, a two, a, a jump of two wins, you know. And my kind of point is, they should have been seven and five. Something happened. I mean, that was just the worst display of, you know what I mean. That's what I'm kind of getting at and saying, if you can almost count it like that. But, um, I mean, if you run through this schedule, I think, and so we'll, we'll, we'll run count home. I think is a win. And once yep. again, there's so much that's going to go, going to change from now. I'm telling you my opinions at this moment. Um, New Mexico, New Mexico, not New Mexico State. Thank the Lord. Um, is I think you win that game. And let's, think, let's put, a, let's put a quick caveat on that one. That is the job that none other than Auburn coaching legend Brian Harson is linked to. Oh, they hired. They they made a hire. Oh, they did. Darn. Yeah. yeah. That's I, uh, so unfortunate. Yeah, and it's actually not a bad coach. No, I don't. <laughs> I'm not going to put that in the universe, but um, if Auburn, if if New Mexico had hired Brian Harson in his first year, second game at that program had been at Jordan Hare, that might be one of the biggest non-power five games from just sellout crowd and energy. There would be so many people there that were just like, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, you'd, I, you'd be see, you'd be like, cause you know, normally like fourth quarter, you're up by thirty four, you know, stands are cleared. I mean, you'd have people there to the end of that game just. Yeah. Just on the revenge tour. So that would have been exactly. oh, that's so sad. That, that would have been, been hilarious. Funny. I don't think he would have taken that job just for that one reason, though. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I, um, but so Cal, New Mexico, Louisiana, Monroe, you chop those down as wins, I believe. Um that four. That's that's three. I think I think you beat Arkansas. Well, there's another pay game that's not on the schedule yet. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. 9, 10, 11. You're right. Okay. So, so you win they haven't your, scheduled a pay game yet. They're still waiting you, on one. You win your three pay games and you Plus beat Cal. Cal. So that's four wins right there. I think you beat Arkansas. I mean, did Jefferson ever officially enter the portal? I do not believe he's officially entered yet. Okay. They lost Rocket. I mean, they're losing a lot. So I, mm -hmm. um, I, I, I count yeah, Arkansas I think, as a win. Yeah. I think that program is on. I think that program is going to be on live support. And that game's in Jordan Hare. So I, I think yeah. Auburn wins that one big. Um, Texas A&M, once again, I, I covered Texas A&M, and they're dropping like flies over there. I mean, that whole roster is going to be gone. I believe in that coach, uh, Elko, in the future. But right, I, I think Auburn and Jordan Hare wins this game next year. I think that's six. Um, I mean, because yeah, the, the talent that they have is leaving at a very high rate. So yeah, I, I think that next year the argument won't really be look at all this talent. They'll still have, still have a good – I mean, I think talent-wise they might still be better in Auburn, but the gap's not going to be like here to here. Um, so that's six. I I think they beat Vandy. That's seven. And then here's where it gets interesting. 
you've got the remaining five games after that. Bama, Georgia, Oklahoma. I think, I mean, are, are you willing to say right now you think they steal one of those games or you're not, you're not willing to say that? I don't know if I am. I want to hear. I want to hear what you have to say first. Are we talking Bama, Georgia, Georgia Oklahoma, Oklahoma? Just those three, because we we got the seven wins, I think. And then we're talking about those three games right now. I mean, I think if you're going to steal any, it would have to be Oklahoma at home. Yeah, it's a good point. Those two are on the road. I haven't paid attention to what Oklahoma's losing. Obviously, with the playoffs, we're going to have no idea what Alabama or Georgia's roster is going to look like. Dylan Gabriel hit the portal. Their quarterback. I didn't see that. But um, I mean, that's never been an issue for them. <laughs> it's always yeah. been a, they just get another one. But yeah, I, I think we're not going to see what's going to happen until after the bowl game slash playoffs with Alabama and Georgia. So I think right now it's too soon to, too soon to tell. Cause I mean, I mean, what if Saban retired? I mean, there's so many different factors that yeah. can play into that, but I think you need to circle or not even circle. Maybe you're just going to highlight a game. That's like, this could be our, this could be a, a year upset. That could yeah. be a year-defining upset. Excuse me. Yeah, I think you got to look at that Oklahoma game. Just it's at home. That's going to be your biggest home game. You don't have LSU on the schedule this year, so if there's going to be a game that people are going to show out and show up for, I mean, what a statement to make that. Yeah. Welcome to the SEC. Texas and Oklahoma. Yeah, exactly. If you can get that one, and of course you always want to upset Alabama and Georgia, but I mean, I think on the road it, it's hard to do. You haven't beat Georgia. I, I, I would want to say right now I think that they upset one of those two teams in 2025 at home. At, at home I think I think you could look there if the talent continues to pace it where it's at and guys stay on the roster and Auburn and shoot itself in the foot to losing mm-hmm. guys in the portal but you hadn't beat Georgia and Athens since 06. You haven't beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa since 2010 and that was with Cam Newton. Cam Newton, yeah, I thought so. So without Cam Newton, you haven't beaten him in Tuscaloosa since what was that? Oh, um, is that also oh six? Yeah, it was also oh mm-hmm. six. So technically, without Cam Newton, you haven't beaten them there both in what will be eighteen years. Mm. I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that just because of how history's been. Sorry, yeah. uh, but Oklahoma at home. Uh, let's avenge that sugar bowl from a few years ago. That's got to be the one that, uh, and I think if you can do that, you feel really good. So, uh, were there any, uh, I think, had you hit Kentucky and Missouri and Vandy yet? Um, no. So Vandy counted. So, so we're, we'll say, we'll, we will say lost. We'll go, we'll say zero and three in those, in those three games for now. <laughs> Excuse me. But I'm with you that I think they can't upset Oklahoma at home. So let's say seven and three. We've said we've talked Van. We've talked about Vandy. We have Vandy in as a win. So that leaves two games that I think will define this season, in, in my opinion, because I think these are the swing games. Yep. And it's at in Lexington, in Columbia, Missouri, not South Carolina, um, against the Tigers and Wildcats. Ah, yeah. And I'll tell you what, Missouri, from what they've done this year, being a – are they a top-10 team? Are they like 11? Yeah, what, what Missouri's, right Missouri's good. The, the more winnable of those two games will be Kentucky. Right. And so props to Drinkowitz for that turnaround because, I mean, he was on the hot seat last year. I mean, that was like a loser-leave-town kind of game. Yeah. And now he has pushed his team to be fringe top-10. I mean, that's yeah. incredible for what he's been able to do. Um. I haven't paid too too much attention to that roster for what's coming, what's going, and portal and this and that. So we'll kind of have to see 
what that Missouri game will look like. That'll be talked about um, more, but it's definitely one that has a lot more intrigue than I think people would have thought. Yeah. Even earlier in the season. Cook. But you're right. I mean, especially that one being on the road. That's going to be that. You're right. I mean, that that could be a season defining game in the sense of that's one that if they continue pace, that's going to be a heated matchup for sure. So uh, need to um, need to get that. I don't think Auburn's lost to Missouri since they've been in the SEC. So um, and then Kentucky. I mean, I live here, so you know, I, I just. I covered the team this year for the first year. I just, this Kentucky, and I mean, they just got Vandegrift. I mean, does that, does Vandegrift scare you personally? I mean, at all? Did he, did he officially, so he's yeah, officially committed official. to Kentucky? Yeah. Um. So, I mean, does Vandegrift scare you next season? Like, are you like, oh, we have to face Vandegrift in Lexington? I don't know. It's one of those things where, you look at it and it's everyone's like, oh, he's a five star. And everybody kind of yeah. you know, circles the five star thing. But there's a lot of guys that are five stars and high four stars that go to programs and bust. I mean, just go look at old recruiting classes and be like, I've never heard of that guy. And you look, he's got like no stats. So there is a, I mean, there's statistical favorings here that Vandegrift could be a bust. Not every single five star goes and lights it up, especially the quarterback position. I, it's one of those things where, if he were to live up to the hype, would he be starting at Georgia right now, or would Georgia want to be keeping him? Beck has been good, but has it been like lights out good? Where you know what I'm saying? Like it, what was the gap between him and Vandegrift? I don't know. If he was really, really great, don't you think like your Ohio States, your USC's, or somebody like that? You know what I'm saying? So yeah, it's a um, it, it's a wait and see kind of deal. I mean, it's it's. I would put, well, I think it may be too soon to say this, but could you compare this to something like a Spencer Rattler, a yeah. guy that comes in with like tons and tons of hype and does fair enough, but isn't going to be just world changing? Yeah, we'll see. So, I think, honestly, I think does Auburn he scare me? No, I think Auburn yeah. is in Lexington. Yeah, um, I think there's people I in this house right, right now too. that probably don't want to hear that. Oh, um, you tell them they need to know, but um, I yeah, I think Auburn wins in Lexington, <laughs> and you know, I. Kentucky's the programs move to a place where they're a good football team, but I mean, they're losing their running back They're, I mean, I, I just, it, it's, it's going to come down to Vandergriff. If he is mid Kentucky's mid, if he's great, Kentucky will be great. Simple as that. So what's that, what's that put that record at for you? I, it puts it at, I think that let's say you split with Missouri and you go mm-hmm. 0 three in those games. I think I'm with Missouri and Kentucky. And you go zero and three. That's that is eight and four to me right there, and I, and it and it seems really doable. I mean, this year eight and four didn't seem doable. It was hard to talk yourself into it. You could maybe talk yourself into seven and five, but this year, I mean, I think Vandy's bad. I think they'll beat Texas A and M, especially at home. I think yeah. Arkansas will be horrible. New Mexico, Cal, ULM, and then another random buy game. I think that's seven wins chalk right there. And then if you find a way. To, to, I think, you know, I think it'll be even money against Kentucky. You take that one in Lexington, not, um, and then maybe you steal a Missouri, Georgia, Oklahoma, Alabama. You steal one of those four. We're talking nine and three, but I think eight and four 
is very, 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 very much on the table for this Auburn team in 2020. Yeah, I think there's a, I think there's a, I think you're right. I think it's a very kind of slow sloping hill to get to seven. You got a little step to eight, and I think you got a massive wall to get to nine and above, which is, you know, high floor, low ceiling type situation. But here's the, here's the deal in the season for me. And where I see it, I don't even think it's as much about record. I think we're looking at this much more about what are some of the things that we're going to see moving forward and from the tangible standpoint. Because, I mean, the record's important because you can see if the tangibles, you don't have the records. You have a good balance of both. So I think if you can get to eight, you feel good. If you have seven, hopefully, you know, where there's some – hopefully there's the wrong word there. Let me rewind that a little bit. Where there's some injuries that set you back a little bit. You don't want to go in there with like a healthy roster at seven. And obviously we don't ever want anybody to get hurt. But if you have a, if your roster's full steam and you leave, lay an egg again, then it's like this again, you know what I'm saying? Like, was there a valid reason that something happened? Did you play a monsoon game or something weird that would have been like, okay, that's why that game. And we can't be doing that much longer, but I'll give them one more year if it's a little realistic fluke. Well, let's go. So, some of the tangibles. I want to see year two development, year over year development. Guys that they're keeping and fighting to keep on this roster. Do we see them make a leap forward in year two? Can this coaching staff actually improve guys? Because we don't know what they're going to improve because they haven't done it yet. They haven't had the same roster. They haven't had, you know, they hadn't been working together, same schemes, whatever. The guys that are they're keeping on this team look better. Does Peyton if Peyton Thorne is the guy next year? Does he look better? If they bring in a new quarterback, does he look capable sooner? Do the skill positions, guys on defense, lots do guys look better? Whoever you're fighting to keep on there, and then the second part of that is: Do you have guys who were true freshmen, redshirt freshmen, sophomores, redshirt sophomores, guys that didn't play a whole lot of snaps this season? Do you see somebody kind of? rise out that you develop from scratch oh okay so and so popped off now i want to see that kind of stuff because that tells me all right if this coaching staff is actually developing guys at a good clip we're feeling good about the future of course the recruiting's got to be what it's been we need that 2025 class to be bolstered and then here's the other thing it is no shock it is no secret that this offense underperformed and we will debate for quite some time, was it the quarterback, was it the scheme, was it the receivers, was it this, was it that? At the end of the day, I don't care. The numbers are what they are. Blaming on somebody, nobody, or everybody, it is what it is. Do you disagree with me on that take for the offense? I don't. I don't. I mean, I, I think um, – I, I just – I think you're right in – Development is the is the key to me in the offseason. Like you said, I agree with everything you just said, but I mean what I, I just I think proving that you can take a player what we saw this year and take that player and, and have that player take a step in the right direction to me is what's gonna make or break this offseason, this tenure. I I think development is something people don't talk enough about. I think you know, people I think fans get so um, set on what a player is. It's like Peyton Thorne. I mean, like I made a face when you talked about seeing him, him as a starter, but I think he is going to be, and I was kind of kidding. I um, I want to see some development. Now, was that an issue on his part? Was that the skill position players? You know, like you were just saying, it's like I um, 
I think that you need to take guys this year that had a good season. Like, what can we see next? Assuming um, Javarius Johnson sticks around, right? What can we see from him from this year to next year? I know he's been playing a lot of college football. That one's not sounding so hot right now. Yeah, no, I I know that, but I'm just saying, I'm trying to think of another, like, Jay Jay Fair. I don't think he's sounding. There's no names really you could name in the receiver room that are sounding hot. But, um, Burton, Burton, Burton seems to be the yes. Burton seems to be the most likely a great example just from the rumor mill. So yeah, let's yes. he's Burton of what I'm talking about. Burton's a great example because he was a highly ranked guy recruited to Ohio State. Ohio State is a place that doesn't swing and miss on wide receivers all that often. So you know it's in there. Someone's got to get it out of him. He wanted to find a new place to try and get it out of him. Can you, you know, he's healthy, right? He that was he the flashed issue. He, at, he, he flashed at the end of the year. Yeah. Can you get that flash and actually yeah. make a fire? Exactly. It, it, and I, an example here of where that didn't happen, but Landon King. He had a big play in the eyeballs. Oh, you know, there was like the Landon King fan club just was founded in that moment. And it, that was kind of the offseason, like, oh, Landon King, your receiver tight end, kind of this hybrid, you know, a lot of Kyle Pitts comparisons, and then didn't see a whole lot of Landon King and obviously inevitably transferred and wish him nothing but the best did nothing really at Utah, but the deal there is okay. Can we have a similar enough situation to compare it and actually get that? But with the productivity, Oh, all right. He's getting better. He it's baby step in the right direction. He's getting his touches. He's getting his routes looking better. He's low. He's, he's, he's put on weight. He's lost weight. He's gotten faster. You know, whatever, whatever they want him to do in the off season, because here's the thing about it. Hugh Freeze is in the, the words here of the Jimmies and the Joes. They're coming. And that was never a doubt that I had with Hugh Freeze, but I would say the expectations have been even exceeded for me because I did not overly bug on that one. I had a realistically, I mean, I'll say my expectations were pretty high. Don't get me wrong. This was out of the park for even my expectations. So, but that's half of the equation is you have to develop, you have to recruit, you got to build the culture. Because, I mean, you, your boy Jimbo Fisher got the Jimmy Chinchos, and that didn't do anything for him. He got the best recruiting class ever. Didn't help him out. So, recruiting is the first step, but there's other things after it. Now, great point. Hugh, Hugh Freeze has been described as a great culture builder. There will be things that if that culture is being built the right way, that will start to show up and be evident. So, I mean, I think that's kind of another thing for year two. Like I said, I want to see development. And then I want to see the culture. And I think a lot of those can be going hand in hand. And culture is a little bit more intangible. It's a little bit harder for us to talk about because we're not inside the program. So I think the way that we'll see culture is you'll see it on the field. You'll see it on the sidelines. You will it'll be a vibe. And then of course, you know, you hear reports and player interviews and things like that. But once we start to get those dots connected, I think that makes you feel good because what that does is that makes it easier to recruit your own roster. Guys are more bought in guys aren't getting in trouble. Just insert all the things that come along with a positive culture. And I think the results of that will follow. But I mean, I think the big thing there is guys are bought in a practice. You don't have a bunch of prima donnas running around. Yeah. And you don't have guys that are there just, you know, oh, well, you know, it's it's in IL money. It's business decisions, this, that, or another. 
guys who, and of course, you know, that's always going to be a factor for players, but guys who are there, and I hate to use this cliche, but do they love the university? Do they love Auburn? Are they happy to be there for other reasons than this is a stepping stone to the NFL and or like the NIL opportunities were too good to say no? Those help, but if you can have that plus, hey, this is a great culture, this is a great place to be, this is a great staff, I love my teammates, I love my fans, all that, you're there. Let's look for that stuff year two. I'm feeling good. So what do we got here? We got we got a record. We got a baseline for, for record. We've talked development. We've talked culture. Do you have another thing that you want to see in year two that you think, okay, this is a good expectation that we need to be seeing in year two? I just want to see offensive fireworks. Okay. That's what's going to be my next one. We cannot be having this bottom of the barrel. I teased it earlier, but we can't have this bottom mm-hmm. of the barrel offense. We can't be having the, we can't be having a quarterback two years in a row throw for 16 something hundred yards and change in the regular season. We can't be bottom two and most every offensive category outside of rushing in the SEC anymore. You got to be middle or above the middle of the pack at your floor mm-hmm. on offense next year. I mean, Hugh Freeze, you can't be this all, you know, offensive, you know, known for his offense and this and that and be finishing there in the SEC continuously. Year one, it's a rebuild, but you know what? We're not here to be, you know, Hugh Freeze is not here. Hugh Freeze has not paid his money to be there. Yeah. So obviously show up on the stat sheet, but I think it's got to show up on the field. It's got to look very similar to Gus in 09. Like it, 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 it was good, but it looked flashy. And now people's, I think people's expectations are just so low for offense. It is going to be so easy, but yeah, make it look and feel exciting. Arkansas and Vandy, but against like actually good opponents. Make Auburn offense fun. Again, I want a t-shirt. Yeah, that'd be, yeah, that'd be a great t-shirt. Be a great hat. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just, I, mean, I think the last time you could argue that offense was fun was Stidham and, and Ryan Davis. and. and yeah, I mean, it's it's been nearly six years. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I want, I want to have a good, you know, I want, now this is going to sound a little crazy. I want to have a good defense and a good offense. I know that might be asking a lot, but I, good defense is fun. But it's a lot more fun when you mix it with good offense. And, you know, I want an Auburn team that can score 77 yard touchdowns at a high rate. And you can hit the, um, you can throw the deep balls. You can, you know, like I miss that stuff. I mean, how many deep touchdowns did Auburn have this year? I think there was the one to like, was there was one that was it Jay Fair? Which game was that? Uh, no, where Thorne actually made, that must have been Arkansas, where he actually made a, a good deep ball. And then, uh, you know, um, Jarquez had a couple breakaway runs against Vandy. But like, I remember, many- I remember it was against, I think it was Sanford. So I'm not going to say like it's a one you hang your hat on, but um, Robbie hit Michael Riley with that really good touchdown pass on that yeah, I'm route. I'm trying to see, but it was Sanford. So it's like, yeah, know, take it with, I want to grain of salt. Was there a long touchdown? And yeah, that's probably look at. Yeah, yes, I got to pull up. Um, there were so many touchdowns that game, but yeah, that that's another thing too. The, the deep, I mean, the deep ball just was not a threat. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the offense. I agree with you. Uh, one thing that's been good and has to stay better uh, is, I mean, the line was was serviceable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll take if we can get the line being exactly what it was again. I'm not going to be oh the line get better. Hey, I'll, I'll take what we had. 
Uh, and this will be another one, um, a little another caveat. So I guess to be my fifth thing is you can't regress. Yeah. If you didn't get better in a certain area, that, I mean, that's fine. If as long as it was an area you weren't necessarily struggling in, like line, for example, if it's what mm-hmm. it was, I'll take it. But there can't be a group or position or play, you know, whatever it may be to where you go backwards and you say, okay. And that had kind of been the issue really since 2018 to, to last season was like, oh, we'd fix this, but then this would fall. Then we'd fix this, but then this was back down yeah. again. There wasn't this leveling of consistency. It was just, it, it was like it was constantly just on a pendulum and they couldn't keep a balance of anything. And you're not going to have a steady foundation literally by definition that way. So keep the, keep, keep everything consistent, but keep it trending upwards. Don't, don't go up here to just completely slack off and drop the ball in this position group or play, you know, whatever it may be. So, that's another thing. And I don't think any of these things are unrealistic, but it's one of those things where it's year two. We can't be, ha- you know, you can't be having these erratic things like that. Like, yeah, recruiting's going strong. 2025 is going strong. Make the offense fun on the field. Don't slide backwards. Keep the culture going, as we're all saying. And then um, one thing that I will say that I would be happy to see at some point, and I don't know how much of it can really bang off next year, but I want to see us dominating on the defensive line trenches again yeah getting 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 some sacks stuffing up runs getting consistent quarterback pressure because i mean that had been something that auburn was letting a lot of guys even teams they had no business doing play well in games because they're just they just weren't able to get i mean not just hurry a quarterback up i'll take it yeah and they'd, they'd have times where they were great at it in times where it was like there's no reason this line should be keeping you guys just yeah. absolutely outmatched like they are so that would be kind of another thing that i would like to see and like i said i don't think it's as much about the records i just think it's about the trend and i think it's about that as a whole and just keeping the fan base excited and unified and they're moving in the right direction now i think you get these things it's a way too early there's a lot of factors exchange this conversation but we just want to have kind of a fun Let's talk about it too early. Look, maybe prematurely look ahead at year two. But I think we could feel good about it. Yep. Do, you, do you feel the same? I do. I'm really looking forward to um, next season. I'm really, you know, I want the clock to speed up. I think it's going to be a fun <laughs> a fun year. And I think it's a, I think the schedule is manageable to where I think nine wins is a stretch, but possible. Eight wins is realistic. And seven wins I feel very confident about. So I, yeah, I feel Auburn will have a better record next year than they did this year. I feel confident yeah. saying it. All about trending, um, set up strong for a year three, and then just make it look better across the board. We're feeling pretty good. And then uh, that year, that year, year three, to me, that's everything. Go eight and four next year, win your bowl game, great. Year three, when you've got your, well, I guess I'm forgetting that this whole schedule thing is different, but you get, you know, the Bama George at home. That was that's how it used to be. I don't know. Um, we but, don't know what 2012 is gonna look like. Yeah. Yeah, but is you have Bama, who's the you have Bama every year, right? I thought isn't aren't they who's the three? A, three? Yeah, I mean it, it should be. They haven't they haven't even come out with what it's gonna be next year with TV deals or, or I guess in 2025 with TV deals. So well, then, it's in limbo. Well then never mind on that. I was my point was I've completely forgotten that we're completely changing the entire world of college football after the season for a minute. But yeah, multiple multiple times I've tripped up mentioning LSU next year, then I have to do a double take like just yeah. kidding, not actually playing LSU. It's just a, exactly that's which is why it's so manageable if you think about it. I mean it's kinda of, I forgot. It's like why is you know, well, you don't have to play LSU. That's a and 
I'd take Vandy over LSU any day. I'd still take Missouri over LSU. Yep. Um, so that's going to be, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's what's going to be for year two, setting up for year three. Uh, before we wrap this up, I want to thank our show sponsor very quick, Opelika Rage Room. You listened, you heard, you know how it is. Located just outside of downtown Opelika. That's where you go. You get a table full of stuff. You get bats and hammers. You break it to pieces. It is holiday season. Great to do as a work event with friends, with family. Open seven days a week. They also have a second location in Birmingham. Check out Birmingham Rage Room, Opelika Rage Room at both their respective websites and their socials, which are just their names, either with an at or a .com at the end. Great time if you're in the Auburn, Opelika area, or if you are in the Birmingham area, look for something fun and different to do over the holidays, whether it be, like I said, with your friends and family or a big work party. It is a great spot. They can accommodate small and large groups. Reach out to them. Tell them that you heard about them on the Auburn Daily Show. They will hook you up with some extra goodies. That is going to conclude us for today. To wrap, to end it, Andrew, tell everybody where they can check out what you got going on. Yeah, just check all the stuff we got going on over at Auburn Daily. You know, we're in that time right now where people are leaving, people are coming in, people are getting offers, people are getting visits uh, when it comes to portals. So there's fun stuff going on. So check it out. We'd appreciate it. Yep, AuburnDaily.com. Obviously, check them out on their socials as well. That team is on top of all the news. When it hits, that is getting dropped from them ASAP. So you won't be behind on all the stuff. And this is the time of the year where stuff can happen. As you remember the Cam Coleman episode, in the blink of an eye, I want to thank everybody for checking us out again. We will be back at you next week talking all the stuff. We've got a big basketball game with Indiana, of course, recruiting season. we got guys coming out, but we're hearing some rumors. They might be seeing some guys coming in. So as we mentioned, huge month for December. There will be no shortage of content. I want to thank everybody for checking out the Auburn Daily Show, as always, and we will be with you again very soon.